Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com/now. If you've sung along to a power ballad in the last 30 years, chances are you're already intimately familiar with Diane Warren's song. Some of her biggest hits include Cher's If I Could Turn Back Time, Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me, and Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. You act like, like you're made of stone, but like the hand of cards, you're gonna fold, and I know it, said I know it. Over the span of her 35-year career, Diane Warren has penned hits for hip-hop, country, R&B, and adult contemporary artists. In late August, she finally released her own album, The Cave Sessions Volume 1, where she wrote songs for artists like Ty Dolla Sign, Darius Rucker, and John Legend. The genre-spanning project is modeled after DJ compilation albums and brilliantly shows off Warren's incredible range as a writer. On today's episode, Rick Rubin talks to Diane Warren about how she decided to become a songwriter when she was just 11 years old and how her parents built a shed in their backyard where she could work out her early arrangements. Warren also talks about her one and only music teacher, who told her dad she had no future in music, and why she feels she has yet to write her best work. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Rick Rubin and Diane Warren. Good to see you, Rick. Same. Great to see you. It's been, it has been, I don't know how many years, but it feels like it's been a long time. Really? A really long time. I'm trying to think when the last time I saw you was. I can't remember. I can't remember what I did last week, so. <laughs> I remember visiting you in Malibu, and I feel like that's like 10 years ago. <laughs> Probably. I remember coming to your studio I remember being in the studio when you played me um, Weezer's version of Unbreak My Heart, which was aw- yeah. fucking awesome, which I love to like this it? day. I love it. I love just people flipping my songs. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorites of your songs. I, I just love that song. It's a, it's a really special song. Thank you. Tell me how that one got written. It started with the title, Unbreak My Heart. It was a weird title. I'd never heard it before, you know, and, and can't remember. <laughs> magic of that song beside me unbreak my heart it went from b minor to d minor it was like when i came up with that i was like oh fuck that's fucking cool that's the part that's the part where it gets you it hits you immediately it's like it, 
It's an emotional change, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it doesn't make any sense, but... You know, that's because I, you know, I didn't really study music, so I didn't know, you know, when, when something's fucked up and wrong. So I probably do a lot of fucked up wrong things that are cool. When did you start writing songs? How old were you? I was 11, but when I was, when I was 14, I became, like, obsessed. Where it was all I lived for. I would study Billboard. I mean, I was a shitty student. I got kicked out of, you know, a couple of schools, and I, I fucking hated school. But when I really got into writing, you know, I made my dad get me a subscription to Billboard. I studied it. Like, that was college to me. I studied to see who wrote every song and, and, and who produced songs. And I didn't really care who sang them, <laughs> you know, as much. I, I, I was interested in all the behind-the-scenes stuff going on. But I was just obsessed, obsessed with writing. And, and that was when I was 14. So I'm, I'm the same way now. I just go, I, you know, I... You know, I was going to say, I, I'm in a nicer place to write, but I'm not. I mean, my room is disgusting, where I, where I mainly work. You know, it's really messy and dirty and stuff. So at the time, you know, as a kid, my dad got me a shed in the back of the house because my parents couldn't stand listening to me playing the same song over and over. That's what I do when I'm writing. I'm just kind of playing it over and over and getting it right. So I would go in that, I'd be in that shed in the backyard, you know, this like metal kind of shed thing and just writing. And if it was cold, I had a little heater there. I've just been like this, and I, I'm the same way now. I just, I just, I do the same thing. I'm still as obsessed. I think, hopefully, I'm better. And I keep learning. I think I'm, I'm really writing my best songs right now, you know, that I've ever written. From the time you were 14, did you know you wanted to be a songwriter, and that's what you wanted to do with your life, or did you think you'd have a real job and you would write songs too? A real job? What? No. I knew when I was eight. I knew I was eight years old. It's what I wanted to do. You know, and there was no plan B. Plan B is, is, you know, being a bag lady and, you know, living on the street or something. Because I literally do not know how to do anything else. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything else. I'm utterly useless at everything. Except this. Where do you think the idea came from to do it? What did you see that at least made you want to do this? Well, I always loved music. And, I've, you know, I've always just been immersed in it. You know, I, I have older sisters. So I always heard music. My mom and dad had, like, you know, all the, all the great show tunes, you know, Man of La Mancha, all those, you know, My Fair Lady. And then my sisters had all the pop music of the day. And, and when I grew up, radio played everything. So I just got the, fed this diet of just great music. And I, and I, but anyways, I remember looking on a, on a single, on a 45 kids when they're, there used to be 45s back in the old days. <laughs> and it was a 45 of Up on the Roof, and I saw Goffin King, and I loved that song. And I thought to myself, and I remember, I still remember looking at it and going, I want to be in those parentheses. I want to be that. I don't want to be the singer. I don't want to do any of that. But I want to be in the parentheses. And I was a kid when I thought that, so how the fuck did I know that? So cool. That's a great album title for your next album, In the Parentheses, would be a great name. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that you knew so early and you dedicated yourself to it and it worked. And it, yeah, and it's one in a billion. But it's the passion that you put in that makes it what it is. It's like you're meant, you're clearly meant to do this. It's interesting. Yeah. And then there's all these, you know, things that, these pinch me moments. Like, like I was the biggest Beatles fan. Like, my, my older, one of my sisters took me to see the Beatles twice, you know, when I was, like, a little kid, like six or seven or something. And I just had Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr on my song, Here's to the Nights. Wow. In the video, they're singing my song, and with a bunch of other great artists as well, like Lenny Kravitz and Sheryl Crow and Chris Stapleton, and, you know, a lot of other artists on there. But, the you know, the main part of that song is Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. And I'm like, I still, like, if I think about it, I'm, it kind of blows me away. Did you take piano lessons as a kid? No, I didn't take any. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, the one time I took music lessons, I, my dad brought me a little guitar from Tijuana. He took me to a guitar teacher in the valley. So the guitar teacher wanted me to learn scales, and I didn't. So the second time, I, I just wanted to make up my own songs. I mean, fuck learning scales. So I came back the next week to take my second lesson, and the guy said, Mr. Warren, uh, you shouldn't bring your daughter back. She has no future in music. So that was, the, that, was my, that was my music lessons. You know, I taught myself to chords. I taught myself. I taught myself to play the piano. Someone once told me that the piano is the songwriter's instrument. So when I was 18, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn enough to, you know, I'm not a good piano player. I'm not even a good guitar player, but I, I can get around. I know chords. You know, I took one theory class in school that, you know, beginning theory, but I, don't, I didn't really pay attention to it, but maybe some of it seeped in. But again, I'm not, I'm not a schooled musician, which is good. 
Because if, yeah. if, 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 you, if you have too much music education, you'll go like, well, that you can't do that. That's not the right. That doesn't, you know. Well, fuck that. I don't even know what's right or wrong. I just go by what I feel. What's your rhythm of writing? Do you write every day? Every day. It's funny, the T-shirt you chose to wear. Fuck off, I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's kind of my favorite shirt. I thought it was appropriate since I'm since we're talking today that, that I should wear that. My rhythm and, and my first hit being rhythm of the night, so rhythm is a, a a good word. You know, I just show up. You know, I go to work every day. I, I go get my coffee and and go to my office and either work, starting something new or, or working on what I'm working on. How did the first one happen? How did the DeBarge song happen? I was signed to a guy named Jack White, who not that not the White Stripes, Jack White, um, a German producer, and through Jack, I was signed to Arista, Arista Publishing, administered him. So, so someone over there named Linda Blum actually told me about the mo- this movie, uh, The Last Dragon, and um, I did the song for it. I've done a lot of movie songs. I still that's what I do a lot of. So my first big hit was from a movie, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. And DeBarge did the song, and it's the first time that I had a, you know, a hit, Words and Music, you know, by me. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that you wrote that. I didn't, I didn't know that you wrote that song until, until recently. Oh, yeah. Again, you write all kinds of songs. Yeah, I do. But that's not one that I would have imagined you wrote, and it really made me happy to see that you wrote it. I love, I love that you wrote it. I probably wrote a bunch of songs you didn't know I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably didn't know I wrote Blame It on the Rain. Yeah, I didn't. It's so cool. Yeah. Let's say you were to sit down now to write a song. Just start the process for me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to do that in front of somebody. Like, I mean, I play some chords. I don't know. I might have a drum beat going. I might have programmed a drum pattern or something. I might start playing something. Mm-hmm. And when you play, are you listening to what you're you're playing and listening, and then based on what you hear, you make decisions to change things or do something different or to go somewhere else? I'm not even conscious of it. It's it's such a weird like that's why it's hard to like you know people are going well what's your process? I mean I have no fucking clue. You know I'm just I'm just in the moment and I'm just going with it and and concepts kind of pop up these crazy concepts. <laughs> Like, I just started something. I'm not going to play it yet because I don't have much of it, but I was like, this is the fucking coolest concept, like, you know, that no one's done this, you know? So it's kind of fun, you know, whether it's Unbreak My Heart or whether it's, you know, something else I'm coming up with. You know, it's just kind of finding something that maybe hasn't been said that way or some notes that excite me, and, and I don't know. <laughs> have you always programmed a beat first and then played to the beat or not necessarily? No, sometimes I don't have any, any I'm just sitting at the guitar or, or my keyboards, you know, I love big string sounds, you know, too. I love that. That. So, you know, yesterday I, 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 was, try, I was kind of trying, to, the song I was working on, I was kind of playing it by hand on the drum machine I was, and trying to play the bass on, the, on well, my left hand. It was kind of funny and, and horrible sounding, but, but the song I think would be good. So, you know, just how, however way I do it. Do you typically get the melody before the lyrics and then you fill in the lyrics? Yeah, I mean... The really good ones kind of come together in a weird way, but then the rest mm-hmm. of the song I have to fill in. Like, like what's, you know, the first verse might have come easy, and then, oh, you know, where, where am I going to go in the second verse? And I don't, I don't even go near the bridge until I have every part of the song written, because I have no idea where, where, where the bridge wants to take me. Even musically, would you not know the bridge until the rest of the song is written? Yeah, unless I might have had something that, that I didn't use in the, in the verse, that like something I did a few weeks ago was like that, where... It, this part didn't work in the verse, but I was like, I made a little mental note to myself. There's, there's your bridge. Yeah. Do you ever start the process with an artist in mind? I'm going to write a song for Cher. Or do you just write a song? I try just to write a song, you know, like, um, yeah, I just, I just try to write a great song. I, I, I don't want to have any preconceived notions. Like if I write it for, with one person in mind, that's going to only be for that one person. And if, if they don't do the song, you know, then, then what do you do, you know? So if you write a great song, you know, it can, it can go a million different ways and to a lot of different people. You know, when I'm writing something, I go, oh, that's really great for so-and-so or so-and-so. But I don't sit down to write a song for somebody, no. I mean, the only time I, I, I sit down to write a song for something in particular is a movie. Yeah. Typically, if it takes a week to write a song, has there ever been a case where a song has come really quick 
or were a song that you've had to fight with for a really long time? Has that ever happened? Nothing that I've had to fight with for a really long time. A couple of them have come quick. I can think of two songs that came really quick, you know, two of my favorites, too. One is Till It Happens to You, done by Lady Gaga. That song just wrote itself. Um, the other one is a song that called When I'm Back on My Feet Again that Michael Bolton did that to this day is one of my favorite. Both those songs are two of my favorite songs. When they come quickly like that, when do you start thinking about who could record it? During the process, you know, while I'm writing it, I think of, like, different artists that could do the song. I'm not above calling people. You know, you know me. Yes. <laughs> How often does it happen where you finish a song and you think, wow, this is really great? It ha- it's been happening a lot lately. Amazing. Like, I'm it, I, like, I'm like wow. Used to be where I felt like I'd write one of those songs every now, like, and a bunch of songs and one of those. And now I'm feeling like, with a lot of what I'm doing right now. Such a great feeling. Yeah, it is. I feel like I'm learning and, and, and just getting better. I'm just hungry to learn and hungry to write and, you know, hungry to succeed. Yeah. How would you describe what makes a song great? It's hard to describe it. You feel it, right? A great melody. I mean, you have to have a great melody. And a, to me, you have to have a great lyric too, and you have to have the marriage of the two. What do you think makes a great song? I think it's the feeling. I think it's the way it makes you feel. I yeah. don't think there's any technical way to describe it. Right, but that is what's making you feel something when it's that perfect combination. Yeah. The, the example you gave when you played Unbreak My, the piece of Unbreak My Heart with that change, yeah. to me, those moments are what makes a song great. Like an unexpected change yeah. that the fact that it's unexpected makes you listen closer. You know, like it, it catches your ear. It makes you pay attention. Yeah. Often things that catch your ear and make you pay attention are things you don't like. So for it to be something, it's like a fine line when something can be challenging enough to be interesting and still you want to listen to it again instead of never hear it again. Yeah, I prefer, I prefer the other way. <laughs> I prefer it yeah. the good way. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from Diane Warren after a quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter The Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. We're back with Rick Rubin and Diane Warren. After the DeBarge song, what was the next song that somebody recorded of yours? 
I think nothing's going to stop us now. Or was it I get weak? I can't remember. There's a bunch of them then. Um, nothing's going to stop us now. It was from Mannequin. And that, that's kind of become a classic. I did that with my friend Albert Hammond. And then, you know, a bunch of other ones at that time. I'm just trying to think. A big hit with Heart, Who Will You Run To? Belinda Carlisle, I Get Weak, which is still one of my favorite songs I've ever done. You know, the the doors started opening, you know, the doors that are closed. As you know, you know, you know yeah. when it became easier, you have a little success and, and and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's the people that didn't like that song. Oh, I really like that song now. You know, <laughs> that shit goes, you know, but it's just like it's natural. Describe what the record business was like when you entered it versus the record business of today and all the changes it's gone through. Just describe your experience of seeing it change. Okay, well, one thing stays constant, and that's a great song. So what I do stays the same, right? I still have to write a great song. The negative difference to me is it's so data-driven now. To me, the data that matters is if it makes the hair on your arm stand up and it makes you your, your heart feel something and you just go, fuck, what is that, right? As opposed to your TikTok numbers and all the, all the algorithms, algorithm of the night. I'll rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> feel the beat of the algorithm of the night. I was talking to an artist, and he's really good, and he just put his album out, and I gave him a song. This was like last year. And one of his managers works for a major company. You know, and he's on an independent label, and I go, why doesn't your manager sign you? And he goes, my TikTok numbers aren't high enough. I'm like, fuck. Like, you know, and you think, you think that, like, the, the greatest artists, you know, with the Beatles, you know, if their TikTok numbers weren't high, would Prince get signed today? Would... To me, some of these, some of that, I find I find sad because it's really all about, like we were talking about, what a song makes you feel, not yeah. about your numbers. Because you know what, some records and artists might take longer, but I don't know if a label will stay with you for that to happen. And and to me, that's sad. Don't you think? Don't you think? Absolutely. And some of the biggest artists in the world didn't break to their, you know, to their third album. Yeah. And in today's world, if you know, if the f- now it's the first single. Yeah, you don't even get to yeah. your second. Forget your second album. You don't get to your second single. Yeah, it takes time to develop. It's sad. That that's yeah. sad. And I feel bad for artists. And then they kind of have to do all the work even before a label is is you know interested. But for me, it's it's the same thing. I I, I have to write a song somebody wants to sing. So that hasn't changed at all. Mm -hmm. What's the feeling when you hear a great singer sing your song for the first time? What's, how does it? Nothing better. I mean, nothing better. You know, I'm sitting here writing a song and I'm singing it and I sound like shit, you know? And then look, I have one song. I'm going to give you an example. And and I got to hear two great singers on it. I, I wrote a song called I Was Here that Beyonce sang. Really one of my favorite songs. And then last year, Dame Shirley Bassey recorded it. It was like, fuck. Wow. It's it like so Incredible. cool. You know, the, the, the original James Bond, Dame Shirley Bassey just did my song. Both sung amazingly, you know, but so different. Like Beyonce is singing it fucking amazing. But, you know, she's talking about, you know, I was here, I lived, I love. She's almost looking ahead and then Shirley Bassey is looking behind in a way like everything she's done and and it's so it's such a different reading of the song and and both are just genius I think it's an incredible thing when the song's context changes based on the person singing it oh yeah well another another example was when I did how do I live and it was out with Leanne Rimes and Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rimes was 14 and then Trisha yeah. Yearwood was older and so it meant something different. Like, you're 14 years old. What do you, how do I live without you? And both versions were great. One was, you know, kind of innocent and one was lived in. You know, and they both were fantastic. I, lo- I love to see my songs get other lives and get reinterpreted. You know, and what I really love, I love to go on, on YouTube and listen to all the covers. Yeah. And there's some fucking cool ones. I heard, I did the song Stand Up for Something that um, Common and um, Andrew Day sings with Common. It's kind of become like this protest anthem, you know, since it was written for this movie, Marshall. And I went online just to see if there was any cool covers. And it's like these little kids, this little girl was probably eight years old, you know, singing from her heart and singing the shit out of it. And a little kid rapper doing Common's rap. And that just made me so happy. Like the, that so song cool. got through. Right? It's like the coolest thing in the world. Have the way that people have reinterpreted your songs, like you, you write the song, you give a demo to the artist, yeah. or you give a demo to the producer, and then they make the record. How often is it very aligned with the demo, and how often does it really 
stray from the demo as far as the production goes? Usually it's it's pretty close or or someone flips it, which I love. I, you know, here's the thing. It's my song, but it's it's your record. So yeah. I, I I know that and and that's cool with me because I mean, you know, you want people to respect the song and you know I work really hard on them. But sometimes it'll someone will flip something. I remember I had a, I had a song called I Could Not Ask For More that Edwin McCain did. And I remember Matt Serletic, who's a great producer, produced it. I heard it. I'm like, oh, this fucking sucks. It, like you sped it up like 15, you know, beats. You know, it was this ballad. And I just, I hated it when I first heard it. And then the more I heard it, I was like, this is fucking brilliant what he did. He like, he flipped my song and made it better, you know, and then it became a hit by two artists. It became a hit with Edwin McCain and then Sarah Evans had like a number one country record with it too, it, with that arrangement. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for people flipping my, my songs. You know, I just wrote something recently that kind of was just doing this Afrobeat kind of thing. And then one of my producers played for me and it's, I had to listen to it a couple of times, you know, but it's fucking great. He kind of flipped it and yeah. flipped it on its head a bit. But I have to, sometimes I, it takes me listening a few times to, to hear past what's in my head. Because what's, what's in someone else's head might be better. Would you say most of your songs are love songs? You know, a lot of them are, but then, uh, uh, you know, but then I have songs about other things too. You know, I Was Here isn't a love song. Stand Up for Something's not a love song. Mm-hmm. Till it Happens to You is not a love song. You know, I've, I've, I'm trying to think on my album, there's a lot of love songs. But then, then there's times like this, the Darius Rucker song, and times like this, we could all use an angel. How did this new album come about? Because in the past, we've talked about a different kind of album that I thought you were going to make. Well, you never, know, you never was, know about that one. Okay, because that—that's what I thought when I heard you—you you have an album coming out. I assumed it was that, and it's—and it turned into this. And tell me the—tell me how it happened. Yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's me being DJ Diane. You know, um, yeah. what, what is this? Is you know, I saw a lot of these DJ producers, the Mark Ronsons of the world, or, you know, Calvin Harris, David Guetta. You know, they all curate records of different artists. And I thought, and I have this song that John Legend did. So it kind of happened at the same time. I had a song called Where Is Your Heart. I think it's the best thing he's ever done. He probably doesn't because he didn't write it. It's one of my best songs and performances that I've ever heard on any song of mine. And he kept saying he was going to use the song, and I kept giving it to other artists and having to pull it because he wanted it, and then he didn't want it. In my mind, I was like, I'm determined to get this song heard, right? And then Mm -hmm. I know no one can sing it like him, but whatever. I don't know if he's ever going to put on his record. But at the same time, I'm thinking that. This idea is percolating in my mind, like... You know, I do so many different... I'm, I'm in all genres of music. Most songwriters are in one genre, whether it's hip-hop, country, or Latin, or rock. And I've always been in all genres. I've always worked with every artist there is, you know, the classical mm-hmm. crossover artists, everything. And it got me thinking, well, you know, why can't I do that? Why can't I curate a record? And let me just do all kinds of songs. Let me do, let me do songs like Sweet with <laughs> Pentatonix and John Batiste and Domino with LP and, and, and give Celine Dion a really totally different song, you know, super Superwoman, and then give a hip-hop country song to Ty Dolla Sign. And then why can't I put g Easy and Santana on a song? She's fire, yeah. you know. So it's, it's all over the place, or Louise Fonzie, or there's so much variety on this album. And usually, like, when the DJ producers do something like that, they're getting tons of writers. And by the way, every song now, as you know, has like 10 writers on it. Well, yeah. mine has one. Or more. Yeah. You know, or I mine. Know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going like, what do you guys, so what do you guys do? You got the coffee, the hi-hat pattern and the bridge. What the fuck got you a writing credit on that? But, you know, I didn't write the Spanish lyrics on, on this. So I, so I do have people that did that. Um, and I didn't write, clearly I didn't write G-Eazy's rap. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's all, that's his. But, you know, these songs are all written solely by me. And you hear a song like Sweet. And you, and you go, how did that same person write Where Is Your Heart by John Legend? And how did, like, it, but, but that was what I went in, you know, wanting to do. I, I, I kind of wanted to go, like, just show what I do. And I have so many songs. I, have, I already have, like, part of volume two because I, I kept changing it because I kept writing new songs. My favorite song on the record is Seaside. Tell me about oh, that Oh, thank you. You know, I just, I, you know, uh, I'll be seaside, sitting on the sand, drinking a Mai up and soaking up the sunlight, sunlight. It was just a happy song, you know. I, I, I just um, can't. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just kind of was. I had this drum beat that I just ha- had on my on my drum machine. I started playing chords to it, and the song that the chorus just came to me. 
you know, and, and it's just such a happy, uplifting song. And it was like right before the pandemic, you know, but it just kind of makes you happy, right? Like you could close your eyes and just be, tra- you know, the best songs to me are the ones that transport you, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and, and, and that song, you can close your eyes. And, and if you can't get to the seaside, you know, that song kind of brings the seaside to you. When you're writing that chorus, do you have a picture in mind? Yeah, I was, I, I love the beach. I love the tropics, you know, so I, I, I love that. And I, it kind of took me there and it just, it just made me feel, it made me feel really good. You know, and, and, and I love the melody in it and, and the verse is kind of, you know, you can live your life stuck at a traffic light. You know, it's just kind of cool. But, you know, we'll all be seaside, sitting in the sand, drinking a Mai Tai. I almost wish it said sipping a Mai Tai, sitting on the sand, sipping a Mai Tai in hindsight. But drinking a Mai Tai is cool, too. <laughs> Does that happen often where you'll hear a song or think about a song and think about, oh, I could have done it this way or a different, either a different line? Oh, not usually. That one. Drinking the Mai Tai is fine, too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. sometimes I hear it, I, I, thought, I kind of thought that I wrote it that way, and I hear it, I go, oh, no, I didn't, I, you know. But that's what, it's a fun song, and, and, and having the Spanish in it, I, I love that as well. Are there any of the songs that, you, that you're surprised were successful? In my life? Yeah, like All anywhere, like you thought the song would, <laughs> any particular ones where you think, oh, that one's a good one, but it, it you know, I don't know that it wins these awards, but it does. Like, have you had that experience where one just like outperforms your expectation? I'm say. more like the opposite. Whenever anything works, I'm shocked, to be honest yeah. with you. Like yeah, there's yeah. so many, it's so like, there's so many things that could go wrong. As you know, like you probably made great records, your best records. You go, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And, I, and I've done that. Now, I mean, I remember I did a, a song with the cult called Painted on My Heart that like that should have been as big as I don't want to miss a thing to me yeah. you know the cult did it and was for, for this movie gone in 60 seconds but i have a bunch of those you know that that didn't work and you go why didn't that work so when they work it's like you just go that's fucking awesome how, how did that happen <laughs> you know it is it's one of the things that's interesting about the process is there are so many things that have to go right yeah that aren't in your control break through yeah even even honestly writing it isn't co- totally in our control because the ideas don't always come, you know, like the, the best, yeah. the best ideas don't always come. Yeah. But when they do, when they do, and you can have it's the best still song in out the of world. Our control. Yeah. It's just like, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Just, I just want to keep creating great songs. And, and by the way, no, my best songs aren't even heard yet. I have so many great songs. Yeah. I'm always writing them. So it's always great when, you know, when they happen or, or even if they're not the biggest hit, you know, like maybe here's to the night nights the 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 song I did with Ringo Paul McCartney uh, on yeah. there that wasn't technically a hit but I think it's a perennial song that'll be around forever and I think that there's nothing cooler that's cooler than having a number 1 record to me we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more from Diane Warren as listeners to this show you probably consider yourself pretty smart but how smart is your wallet When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? 
through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the Outlaw Country Music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Here's the rest of Rick Rubin's conversation with Diane Warren. Have you had any songs that when they came out, didn't perform well, but then found a second life in a different way and turned into a hit? Oh, yeah, I, I, I do. One of them, well, it's kind of funny. I, I did a song called Don't Turn Around, and it was after Tina Turner's first album, her big comeback album with What's Love Got mm-hmm. to Do With It. And she was doing her second album, and I did a song called Don't Turn Around, and um, Brian Adams produced it, and it was fucking awesome. It, was, it just sounded like a hit. And I remember her manager going, well, you know, it's not going to be on her album. It's like, ugh. So bummed out. I just remember, like, I still to this day remember how bummed out I was. And but they put it on a song on on the B side of Typical Male, the song uh, of Tina's. Somehow, Luther Ingram, who did "If Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right," somehow he heard the song, recorded it, and you know went to like you know number eighty on the R and B chart. You know, and then the, the song has a crazy life. Then somehow, this group called Aswad, a, a reggae group out of the UK heard Luther um, Ingram's version, and they did a reggae version, and it became a number one record all over Europe and in England, and, and then along the way, all these other people recorded it, like Bonnie Tyler and Neil Diamond, and all these like people started covering the song, and then um, Clive Davis heard the, um, the reggae version and gave it to Ace of Bass, and it did become a hit, and here's the irony, here's the total irony, and I haven't seen the Tina Turner musical yet, but in the Tina Turner musical, one of the big show-stopping moments is Tina singing that song. So it kind of came Amazing. full circle. So, yeah. <laughs> like, songs can have a million other lives. I don't give up on a song because it wasn't a hit for somebody. Yeah, it's, fa- it's fascinating how they can take on a life of their own. It- it's amazing to watch. And yeah, it's again, like a living thing, right? It is, and it is all out of our control, and yeah. you never know why they come around. It's almost like um, the way that it works is how it's meant to be. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's... Uh, Sometimes, because had the first version of it been a hit, maybe all those covers wouldn't happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had Neil Diamond cover a song of mine. That was cool, you know. And yeah, and then it so became cool. a hit, and then it t- t- went full circle back to Tina Turner's musical. So, t- to me, a great song is timeless and genreless. At what point is it the most fun? Like of all the stuff you do, is it most fun to start a new one? Yes. Is it to finish yes. one? Okay, it's both. The funnest. <laughs> thing that I love is coming up with something great. Sometimes I'll have a hit of a joint and I'm working on something and I think it's really great. I'm like, oh, well, I hope when I come back and I'm not high, it still sounds good. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but it's that feeling of coming up with something. That is my favorite thing. How often when you come back, is it different than you thought it was? I know. I, I usually know that day. It's that thing. It's that, what's, what it makes you feel. But just a cool, like just saying something in a different way that just gets you so excited or, or, or this melody or the combination or that you come up with something that there's only so many notes and stuff, but yet you can find a million ways to make them work. And I love, that's my favorite thing is to come up with something. And finishing it is great, but coming up with something is, is better. You know, and then I put a, a lot of time into these songs. I, I really do. I'll, I'll, I'll sit and, and I'll work all day long on two lines, the last two lines of the bridge like, fuck, everything else was easy, but those two lines have taken me all day and, or maybe till the next day, you know. But, but then, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a song I might have written, you know, a few, a few months ago or a year ago or whatever if I have a meeting with an artist. And I'll listen and I'll go, I'm so glad I stayed with that song. And yeah. I didn't because I'm listening like with fresh ears. I'm like, I'm, yes. glad I, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I took those two days or whatever it took to, 
to, to get that right because it stands up. Do you ever leave a song unfinished or never? You always finish. I, fin- I finish everything I'm writing at the time, but I have some starts that I should get to. And start might just be like a cool chord change or like the beginning of some, how, how small would an idea be that's worth, worth coming back to? It's usually a, a chorus. It's usually a hook. Mm-hmm. But I move on to something else and I go, what about that? I should go back to that. And, and I will. I will. I, I have some really good songs that, I'd probably, that I'll finish. But I'm always coming up with new ones. It's like my album. I kept like, you know, I kept coming up with new songs and like, well, I want to do this one. You know, <laughs> my album was done and my dentist <laughs> is friends with someone in pentatonics. My album was done. And he goes, you need to, you know, meet the pentatonics um, people. I go, oh, I just written this song called Sweet. It's kind of like, it's on my albums called kind of Motowny. And so I met them and my album was really done. I'm like, oh, but I want them to do Sweet. And then I ran into John Batiste at the Oscars earlier this year where I lost for my 12th time. <laughs> and <laughs> it's okay. I'm in the game and I fucking love it. Yeah. And John Batiste won, you know, for on his first nomination for Soul. And when I, when I met him, I was like, oh, what if I put together John and, and, and Pentatonix? That could be so totally cool because John's whole vibe is this positivity He's like so upbeat. Yeah. I wrote the song. That's the one I was nominated for this year. It's called C. Amazing. Yeah, Laura Pausini sang it. Can you play a little bit of the of the song? The one I wrote for the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you just play a little now so we can hear it? I want you to know, know that you see. Because I see you, you, uh, you. song i can't sing it it sounds so good yeah listen to it it's, it's called well in italian it's called eoc scene and laura Pausini sings it so it's, it's it's beautiful in italian you've had a couple of other songs that have been translated into italian how how does that yeah. experience work i love it i love when my songs are in different languages and everything sounds better in italian and spanish yeah it just does they're both such beautiful romantic languages that's why i really on, on my album i wanted i definitely wanted spanish when you write a song for a movie, do they tell you the story? Do they give you the script? Like, how much do you like to know before writing a song for a movie? Oh, I like to know everything. Ideally, I could see a rough film. Like, like this year, yeah. I, I did a song. I did a few songs, but I did one of the ones I'm really excited about is a song called Somehow You Do that Reba McIntyre sings. And it's from a movie called Four Good Days, Glenn Close and Mila Kunis, about a, a drug addict daughter and her and her mom and I mean it's a really powerful movie but I saw I saw a rough of that and I wanted to write a song a really hopeful song you know at the at the end of that movie and I got Reba McIntyre to sing my song which is really cool too she's so great Amazing. which she puts into it and that, and that song in that movie it means one thing but outside of the movie because it's about like going through tough times you know and if you look at the comments on the video it's a lot about depression a lot of hardships the people that you're going through so i try to keep the song open as well to fit the movie that's uh, that's the most important thing but it has to live outside of the movie as well and then people could become whatever anybody wants it to be but back to your question i ideally if i if i watch a movie is or or read a script but i i have to see i have to feel what that is and i and, it, and then it's a subconscious thing and it's if i'm doing an end song like I did something I'm so excited about, but I'm not going to talk about it for next year, that I, I read the script and it just was so powerful. And it took me a couple of days to figure out what I wanted to say there because it was it had to speak for the character. And it's an actual person, so it had to really be powerful. And it took me a couple of days, but when I got it, and I sat at the keyboard and I started crying. I knew that it was, wow. that I knew it was right. Yeah, beautiful. Do you ever hear something that you wrote a long time ago and have a new understanding of what it means later? Not really. Cause I, don't, I don't go back and listen to my old songs. But, but if I did, I probably would. I'm so forward motion yeah. in, in how I am. Like, I don't usually look back. 
Like my rearview mirror is just cracked. But you're, still, your songs are so in the culture that you you come your songs come up. <laughs> if you live life, we get to hear your songs in life. You know, without same for me. Like I, I don't I don't um, I don't l- listen back to my music, but it's not unusual for me for me to be somewhere and hear one of my old songs. Yeah, and how amazing is it that you the work you did amazing. you've done, but you're thinking of different things now, right? You've already moved past that, but when you stop and yeah. think about it. It is mind blowing the effect what you do or what I do has on people. It's 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 just like when when we grew up. Think about yeah. how that was for us. Well, that's yeah. what what you're doing or what I'm doing could be for them. And it's still it has the same effect on us. I mean, yeah. I know when I hear a song. Sometimes I'll hear a song and I don't remember if if, if I hear something I like. I can't tell whether I worked on it or not yeah, because they funny. they fall into the same category of something that I've listened to so much. Right. Either I was in the room or I wasn't. Right, right. But the same, I've heard it, you know, 10,000 times, so I may have been there. You know, right. I have to think about, have to try to picture the room and see if I was there. Sometimes it really feels familiar. It's like, wow, where did we record this? Like, oh, wait, I had nothing to do with this one. Wait, well, you could be somewhere and you hear something, you go, like, that happens to me. Like, I was getting coffee BC before COVID, and I heard something, I go, what is that? Oh, that happened to me recently, too. And it was just the most random thing, and they were my songs. That happened yeah. to me at a restaurant like last month with my friend. Yeah. And it was so weird because I was about to send one of the songs. I forgot that someone even did it. And I was about to send it to another artist, you know, like I'm glad I didn't because they would have wanted, they probably, it was in the same genre of music. They probably wouldn't have wanted to do it. Another song comes on right after. And it was this obscure song I did on NSYNC. I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. Oh shit, that's my song. And I was wondering if, if someone in the restaurant knew that I was there or something. Because it was kind of obscure songs. Yeah, but, but I forgot that that was mine, and then I had to Shazam it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's happened to me too. I have Shazam songs like, oh wow, I produced oh, yeah. that. I yeah, completely forget. It it's just has to do in both of our cases with the volume. You yeah, know, we make we work on a lot of music, and it comes in and it goes out. Yeah, exactly, and it's on to the next, and and not that it doesn't mean a lot to us because it does. You know, my songs yeah. mean a lot to me. But I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm what I'm excited about is the next song and what I'm working on now, and yeah. Anything else from just from your love of music that you want to talk about? I don't know, I think I kind of covered. I just I just love doing this. I love writing songs. I feel like I've almost like never had a hit, you know. So it's yeah. all it's all it's that hunger and that that love of it that means everything. Yeah, it's no different. It's nice when they're hits. Yeah, but at it's the great same when time when we but we when we get to make them the minute that it's done, it's a great feeling of like, wow, we got to make this beautiful thing. Yeah, it's the coolest feeling in the world. You just want the world to hear them. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I hope that there's a way for the world to hear all of the songs that you have that, are, that you've never put out and that have not yet come out. And that'd be a fun thing to think about is how to make that happen because they all, they all need to be heard. The, uh, yeah, for sure. On this album, you know, there, there's so many good songs on this album too that I hope that we get singles rights to the John Legend song because that's just such a great song. Yeah. I like the Domino song too. I think. That yeah. Is that a cool good. song? That's I like, like that the, one. that's so unlike, that, that's one that is like, people are like, well, you wrote that? Like, it's so different. It's like a spaghetti Western weird song. And, and I love LP's voice on it. And it's just, it's so weird. But I, I think that's like a big song on there. That's a lot of people's favorite song. It's really catchy. It's just super catchy. And I like the fact that it's not like other songs. You know, it's yeah. a particular thing. It's, it's really good. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have things that people don't even know that I have, you know, too. And that's that. That's one of them. I'm glad it, it got a chance to get heard. And I hope it's a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We see you soon. Okay, great to see you, Rick. I hope to see you in person soon. Same. Thanks to Diane Warren for sharing her songwriting process with Rick. You can check out a playlist of our favorite Diane Warren pen songs, plus her new album at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez. With engineering help from Nick Chafee, our executive producer is Mila Bell. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin, consider becoming a Pushnik. Pushnik is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. 
Look for Pushnik exclusively on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.